Hey there, travelers. I'm Angelica. I'm Isabella. I'm Riley. And this is True Crime International. So, Angelica, where are you taking us today? Today, we are off to the Philippines. And I just want to start this off by saying that this case is just really brutal. Like, it's really heartbreaking. It's a real doozy. And it does involve sexual assault. And I will give a trigger warning before I talk about those parts of this case. But it's okay if you want to skip this one if you need to. One of the victims in this case was Eileen Sarmenta, born Mary Eileen Sarmenta. But it seems like Everyone called her Eileen, so that's what I'm going to be referring to her as throughout the episode. The other was Alan Gomez. Eileen was 21 and Alan was 19. They were both students at the University of Philippines in Los Banos in the year 1993. They were your typical college students. They were part of the Greek community. They loved to hang out with friends and just they enjoyed themselves like college students do. Eileen was nearing the end of her degree and she was studying agriculture. And I read she was majoring in food and nutrition for large animals, and Alan was studying beef production. Eileen had been in a play that her sorority put on and was just full of life, and Alan was reportedly a really funny guy. And I looked up pictures of them, and they were so cute. Like, you know when college students are, like, so fresh-faced and ready for the world? That's how they looked. That's not I know. how I looked in college, <laughs> but, like, that's how they looked. I know exactly what you're talking about, and I feel like I never have those pictures of myself. Like, when I look at my pictures, I'm like, oh, like, that's not the kind of picture I'm going for. But I know that, like, when people look back in a lot of years, that's what the vibe will be. But I think because I we are living in the moment right now, or we were for the past few years, that's not what we think of ourselves. Yeah, definitely. Fun fact Um, about school in the Philippines is that they have one of the shortest school terms in the entire world. Uh, One of my one of my only friends here in Spain is from the Philippines and she got her bachelor's degree at 20. And that is completely normal in the Philippines because they do. It's uh, I think six, four, four. So six years primary, uh, four years secondary and then four years uh, post-secondary. And it's really easy to get into post-secondary in the Philippines, and they really encourage people to do it, and you do it a lot younger. That's super interesting. I actually didn't know that. Yeah, neither did I. I didn't know that until I met her, and she was talking about you know her time in college, and I was like, aren't you 20? Were you, were you like really smart? And then she explained it to me, and I was like, that's awesome. Why don't we do that in the United States? <laughs> because I feel like a lot of people in the United States don't go on to get their master's or their doctorate, because by the time you finish that, you're not old but like you're definitely like in your late 20s possibly early 30s and and some people just don't want to do school for that long so it kind of gives a better opportunity to get an even farther education a lot of people in my master's program are actually in like their 40s which i think is kind of cool too i think that's cool too i i I give big props to them because i don't even want to go back to school now and i graduated less than a year ago (laughs) yeah they must uh, forget what they must forget what it's like and then they're like, "Oh, it'll be fine. I'll go back." 
<laughs> or they're actually just like good people. <laughs> um, so there's some reports that the two were dating, but they also could have just been close schoolmates because they were both like in sororities and fraternities and they were studying similar things. So it makes sense that regardless of their relationship, they obviously ran in the same circles. And I found a lot less information regarding Alan because this case is really centered around Eileen, but they were just a couple of kids enjoying life. Unfortunately, it was cut short on the night of June 28, 1993. That makes me so sad because, like, I know so many people who are just in, like, big friend groups and it's guys and girls and they're always together and, like, it doesn't even matter. Literally, like, what their relationship. Group. Yeah, what their relationship is. Because they just have fun together and they don't have to, like, put a label on it. Not that, like, they, I don't know if they were or they were not romantic, but either way, they were obviously just having a good time. Yeah. Enjoying each other's company. The thing with Philippine, with Filipinos and Filipino culture is that they are some of the friendliest and most social people in the entire world. They actually are the texting capital of the world by a long shot. Like, they text more than the EU and the US combined seriously yes they are extremely social extremely friendly people um so i'm really not surprised that they were super close because that's just how filipinos are i love hanging out with filipinos they are the life of the party but they also they're not just out to have fun they genuinely care about you filipinos are just some of the most wonderful people it's a wonderful culture it's a, it's a culture built around positivity which is incredible i'm from a culture that is built around pessimism so it's like really foreign to yeah. me. British people are really yeah. pessimistic fucks. Now I really want to go to the Philippines. It sounds like it's such a nice place. Filipinos are so sweet and the Philippines look so beautiful. I haven't been, but oh, I got to go. I'm planning I'll to go, go next you. year. I'm planning to go next year. So come along. Count me in. <laughs> this horrible tale begins when Eileen went to interview the Caloan mayor, Antonio Sanchez. I'm not sure what the interview was about or why she was interviewing him, but I'm sure it was likely school related. So as we'll see, Sanchez isn't a good guy, but it seems like he never was. At the point that Sarmenta interviewed him, he was already on trial for a double murder, which Riley, can you give us a brief rundown on? Yes. So two years prior to this case in April of 1991, Nelson and Rickson Peñalosa were a father and a son who were shot to death by Antonio Sanchez's henchmen. At the time, Nelson was a political leader and supporter of Sanchez's political opponent, Dr. Virgilio Velasina, who was the current mayor of Calawan when they were shot to death. The hit on these two men actually took place as they left a birthday party at the house of Velasina. And other than this, it's honestly a little unclear exactly why Sanchez had them killed specifically. I'm guessing because he probably saw Nelson as a threat. And then the way it happened, I think his son would just kind of got caught in the crossfire because he had gone to the party with him and he was in the car with him when it happened. But the weird thing is that the trial and conviction for these murders actually happened after the trial and conviction for the case that we're talking about today. And a lot of the defense for those convicted for the murders of 
Nelson and Rickson was that they were forced to testify against Sanchez or that the charges against them were fabricated because of their refusal to testify against Sanchez in the Sarmenta Gomez case. And so they kind of intertwine a bit, but we'll see that there's definitely different sentencings. Okay, this has me like so frustrated because why was this dude still mayor? It's so frustrating to me well, because well, it's it's extra frustrating because at the time when he killed Nelson and Rickson, he wasn't the mayor, but then he was elected the mayor after he had them killed. That's so bonkers. Leaving the, leaving the other mayor's party. Like <laughs> how do people still support that? Yeah. And then, like, that was two years prior than this case. And if a verdict could have been reached sooner, maybe this whole case wouldn't have ever happened. Well, and he was on trial. Like, I feel as though if you're on trial for a double murder, you probably shouldn't even be able to be elected. You shouldn't shouldn't have the option. Agree. Um... However, it kind of makes sense that he had that option, considering that some of Sanchez's henchmen were literally police. These men were PNP Calawan Deputy Chief George Mediel Dia, brothers Luis Corcolan and Rogelio Boy Corcolan. Not sure why he went by Boy, but that's what they call him. Zoilio Ama, Baldwin Brio, and Pepito Kawit. After the interview, it seems like Sanchez became obsessed with Eileen. It seems that he more than likely had her stalked, which likely led to the night of the 28th around 7 p.m. when the two were abducted by all of these men. They arrived at the campus in an ambulance, which was their getaway vehicle. That's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. We saw this in the France case, too. Like, Imitating police, police being involved, that's what makes people not want to trust them. Yeah, it's its definitely a whole debacle. Eileen and Alan were waiting in a Toyota Tamara. No. Toyota. 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 Okay. Um, sorry. Um, I like how that's the word you're screwing up. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you said the other one perfectly, but Toyota is too much. Eileen and Alan were waiting in a Toyota Tamara van outside of the Agrix complex. The van was either a commuter vehicle for students or it was Alan's, just his van. Um, There's mixed reports on what it was, but either way, they were waiting to pick up some other friends or some other students. And the complex where they were was a popular hangout area for students, which I feel like every campus has. Kind of like a student center. Yes. There was probably, like, maybe some, like, food places there, like, places to hang out, a coffee like a shop. Like sure store, like stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. My university, the very last year I was there, the student center where everyone hung out, because it was also, it was a commuter campus, so there was nowhere else for people to go, so everyone hung out in there. And there was major construction going on, and half of it was closed off, so all the areas were always super crowded. It was really annoying. And I went back to the campus last year while I was visiting Michigan. And I was so pissed off because I went uh, into the student center and it had all opened up with all the new stuff. And it is so fancy. It is so nice. They added a plum market. I love plum market. Oh my God. They, plum market. they do that right after you leave. They, they, they just update right everything. And it's so nice. They 
they paid for that with my ridiculously expensive tuition and I didn't even get to enjoy it. I was really annoyed. <laughs> right? U of M is like constantly under construction. So like it was so hard to enjoy the campus because other like parts of it would be closed off sometimes and like you had to go, you had to like switch your path to class every day. It was annoying. I was driving down there yesterday and I honestly turned to Nathan and I said, how did Angel do this every day? This is stressful. It was. I'm usually not stressed when I drive, but this is stressful. (laughs) And you know me. I'm always stressed when I drive because I'm always stressed. Period. Mood. Okay, getting back to the case. The plan was to bring Sanchez his gift. So they, yeah. Uh, So they obviously were anticipating Alan's presence. And it, like, throughout these men refer to Eileen as a gift, like she's some sort of object, and I hate it. It's disgusting. Despite Alan's presence, they clearly didn't want to put off their plan. Most of the men, armed with guns, took control of the vehicle and forced the pair into the back seat, and the two were gagged and tied. They signaled the men still in the ambulance, and then both vehicles traveled to Ares Farm in Barangay Kerba, which was owned by Sanchez, reportedly. Barangays are uh, neighborhoods, villages, uh, small towns, but they just say barangay in the Philippines. Yes, and I didn't know that until today. So thanks for informing me, Bella. Yeah, it's I like it's you. like a ta- like when you would say township, like Plymouth Township or something. Yeah. Upon their arrival, they were brought into the rest house, and I'm not sure what like this farm kind of like. I'm not sure the layout, but. This, I think, was a separate building, and they called it the rest house. Throughout everything I found, they referred to it as the rest house. Um, And much of the account of what happens on the night of the 28th and the events after were given by Aurelio Centeno and Vicencio Malabanan, who have said that they were involved in the abduction, and evidently they were the two that drove the ambulance but they weren't involved in any of the events that took place after. So when they presented Eileen to Sanchez, Luis said some more stuff about her being a gift. And he also said some other stuff, um, but I'm not going to repeat it. But essentially, these men are scum. Eileen it doesn't was, need to be repeated for, for people to get the gist. No, it was gross. Eileen was immediately taken into Sanchez's room. I'm uncomfortable. While Eileen was taken into the other room with Sanchez, Gomez was badly beaten and then thrown from the rest house. And many of the men thought that he was already dead because of the fact that they had beaten him up so badly. But Kawit evidently said something like, his death will come later, which is horrible to me because, like, they just wanted to draw this out. Which is so yeah, like disgusting. Prolong it. Yeah, they wanted him to suffer. Okay, so this is where things get really dicey. And please feel free to fast forward at this time if you need to. Since Eileen and Alan were abducted around 7 p.m. And as long as my directions were right, the farm was like 20 minutes away from campus. But at 1 a.m. the next morning is when the mayor emerged from the room with Eileen and thanked his men. Wait, hold on. What time was did they get there? Well, 
if 720 yeah like 720 ish somewhere around them oh my god so he had her for hours doing god knows what but undoubtedly awful things to her he then told his men that he was through with her and that she was all theirs eileen was dragged from the rest house naked from the waist down and crying her and alan were placed back into the van and the men headed for calawan with the ambulance following them which also like back to this ambulance thing why is it still following them what's the point i don't get it because i get that maybe it made it more likely or i mean less likely for their drive to be interrupted but it's like way less it's way less inconspicuous inconspicuous. like when i see an ambulance i really notice it oh me too and i notice what direction it's going i know what time it is Sometimes I want to Google it and be like, what's happening right now? I'm a worrier. So I'm like, what what direction is that heading in? Do I know anyone who lives over there? Do I live over there? Like, I I notice things like that. Especially if you're like, if you're on the road at like 1 a.m. Oh, yeah. On the way to Barangay Amok, Centeno, who was once again in the ambulance, said that he saw the van swerve and he maybe heard a gunshot. And then the van stopped, and a very bloodied Alan was dragged from the van by Kowit, who shot him in the back of the head. And then they left Alan there and continued on their drive. So do they think that the van swerved because Alan, like, woke up and tried to fight them or something? Um, I think that's definitely a possibility, and I will, I'll get to that. Okay. Because I definitely think that's possible. Because he wasn't dead yet. So no, they stopped again in a sugarcane field in Sidio Paputak, where Louis said essentially that it was their turn in far less clean words, because again, these men are disgusting. And each of the men took turns raping her apart from Centeno, who refused. And he later said it, that it was because he could not, quote, bear the bestiality being committed on Eileen, who appeared to be dead, unquote. And that's six men, not including Sanchez, who had raped her earlier. I mean, like, cool on you for thinking that, like, it's wrong, but you're still involved. You're still letting it happen. You're still yep. not going to get away with anything. You're a bystander, so you're just, like, even even if you didn't do it, you're just as culpable, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, I agree. I agree. Like, you're less scummy than the rest of them, but you're still scummy. Mm-hmm. Sorry, but not also, sorry. But also the way that he said it, bear the bestiality being committed. Like, if she was visibly alive, would you have done it? Because that's what it sounds like. You just that's, think it's, it's weird question. that she's passed out. You'd rather have her awake and suffer. Yeah. And I'm not, I don't, I don't think, well, maybe she was passed out for parts of it, but I'm not positive. Um, but in the end... Sarmento was crying, kneeling, and begging that these men just spare her life. And ultimately, they did not. Luis gagged her again and then shot her in the face. Her body was placed back into the van, and then they left her there. On the way back, the two witnesses recounted how the six other men chatted away about how great their night had been. That's disgusting. Mm-hmm. And did they, did they all ride back together in the in ambulance? In the ambulance. They left the van there. Oh, God. Why would they put her back in the van? Like, if they pulled off on the side of the road, why not just leave her on the side of the road and still take the van? 
and then get rid of the van later. I'll tell you it's about not, it. it. Like, it sounds like they're just trying to get caught. Yeah. Doesn't it? It seems like they're idiots <laughs> to me. Um, And now I really wish that this nightmare was over. But, of course, it isn't because Sanchez was the mayor and his henchmen, like some of them, were police. So the group went back to the crime scene a couple hours later. So Medial Dia, the high-ranking police officer, sent the men on two different missions. Centeno, Malabanan, Luis, and Ama would be conducting a search party in Barangay Amok, where they had dumped Gomez, while Boy was sent to Barangay Mabacan, where they had left Eileen. This is when they, quote-unquote, discover the bodies, which, like, how convenient. It's not convenient. like they committed the crime. Wow, such good police work. Mm-hmm. It's reported that when Medial Dia saw Eileen's body, he pulled her shirt down to cover her chest and placed something over her crotch. It's like he was trying to act like he gave a shit about her decency, despite the fact that he'd been involved. Like, so nice of you. What a good guy. Not fucking asshole. Agree. Eileen's body was brought to the police station in UP Los Baños, and other students identified her, which is horrifying and something I couldn't imagine doing, especially given the state she was in. I don't know. I don't know if you know the answer to this, but do you know how far away her family lived? No, I do not know. Because why are the students identifying her? That's really weird. Yeah, and very dark. I'm not sure. Yes, it's very dark. But that's, that's the accounts I read said that they identified her. So I read a recollection from her roommate, whose name wasn't identified, but Eileen's body was evidently in bad shape. A portion of her head was blown off, her clothes were a mess, and not properly on her. And what really wounded me was she evidently still had on her favorite pair of white sneakers. And I think it just broke my heart because I feel like close friends know some of each other's favorite items. And I can't imagine being in this person's place, like, to see her shoes and be like, that. definitely do. Eileen. And I know this is extremely morbid, but I often think about how, like, if I was ever killed, <laughs> like, that's how people would identify me. Like, I have tattoos. You could identify me with my tattoos. Yeah, me I too. wear the same five rings every single day if i have these exact rings on you know it's me we each have matching rings also yeah Yeah. i've been wearing the same ring every day since i was 15 and i have tattoos so i honestly like it makes me feel not comfortable but it's like it is a comforting feeling knowing that if i am brutally murdered people would still be able to identify me Yeah. yeah unless like they did something to like burn my tattoos off like I have a tattoo on my butt. Like, you can't, like, who else has that same tattoo, you know? Okay. Um, but, like, all in all, even even if it's a comfort to, like, us or whatever, it's just horrifying for this person. And they said that it was absolutely, quote-unquote, numbing. The campus was in shock and they were given no time to recover because they quickly had found out that not only had they lost Eileen, but Alan as well. Both bodies were taken to Calawan Municipal Hall, where Malabanan observed a man cleaning the van, probably removing evidence. Uh, this man like wasn't... one of the police officers? I'm not sure. Uh, I, I'm not sure who that... Like, this guy was new. 
And then oh my God. that same day, some of the men started a sham investigation in Barangay and Milk. And this wasn't easy because there was a media storm around this case once it was out. But it really upset Sanchez because he didn't feel that they had properly dealt with the situation. But he assured his men that it'd be okay because he could fix it with money. Oh, I'm sorry you're so upset that they didn't deal with the the woman that you raped and had them kill. These- sometimes I sometimes I forget that people can't see our facial expression. <laughs> I know I've been I've been shaking my head for the past ten minutes. Yeah, these I know people, they're like they're such fucking assholes. Um, on the thirtieth, Centeno disappeared because he'd gotten nervous about being found out, and like he drove the ambulance, so he was worried, and he was apparently paid by Sanchez to lay low. That same day, Sanchez sent the PNP chief of Calawan Major. Canyo, a pair of white shorts. Sanchez said that these had been found by some dude near the National Highway in Barangay Belly Hanging, and they were the ones that she'd last been seen in. If they were found by some dude, why were they given to him? Mm. <laughs> why would some dude find a pair of white shorts that look like they belong to a woman and go, Hey, Sanchez, I found these white shorts. Do you know who they belong to? Like, what? On the side of a road? Like, what? Yeah. It was a whack attempt to throw the police off. And they didn't really buy it because where they found the shorts, um, it wasn't near where Eileen had been found. So Sanchez isn't only a monster. He's also an idiot. Also, they, like, they just... He, were they, wait, were they... Sorry. Were they her shorts that had been moved? Or were they literally just... Some shorts found by some guy. I'm, I don't think the shorts were found by anyone. I think oh, that so they he already had shorts. the shorts. I think he had the shorts, mm-hmm. sent them to the guy, and said that someone else found them. Because if you do remember when she left, she wasn't wearing them anymore. Oh, yeah, she right. Didn't okay. have pants on. Yeah. on August 10th, CIS apprehended Centeno, and he agreed to be a witness, followed by Mal and Bannon. So my dude, guess money can't solve everything because they they went to the other side real quick. Right? <laughs> that was so quick. Yeah. Mediel uh, you, Dia. You caught me. I guess I'll be a witness. <laughs> right. Mediel Dia later tried to say that they had been tortured into giving a false story, but there was so much evidence, including semen, which the medical legal report stated that there was a lot of. They also found a belt loop from the shorts on Sanchez's property. And a cigarette butt said to have burned her. But the mayor claimed that it had been planted, saying that night he was with his mistress, so he couldn't have possibly been involved. So, like, even his cover-up makes him, a, like, look like a complete douchebag. <laughs> right? This dude wasn't going easy either, and he led a private investigation himself, which, of course, was some more bullcrap. They tried to frame Teofilo Kit Elqueza who was Gomez's frat brother. Mediel Dia said Elqueza was seen with bloody knuckles that day, and Luis claimed that Elqueza had killed Alan over another girl and had even later asked Luis for help disposing Sarmenta. But, like, this was also a bad, like, just a bad attempt at a cover-up because, like, what other girl, and also what would Eileen have had to do with that? It makes no sense. 
No, because it's it's kind of obvious that like the majority of the attack was on Eileen. So why would this frat brother attack her so brutally and him? It just doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. Alquaza had bloody knuckles from punching a wall. And at the end of the day, it's a bullet shell from a gun registered to Louise that had been discovered where Alan's body was found. <laughs> what an idiot. Dumbasses. All of them. All of them are absolute dumbasses. I really get the vibe that they were just thinking like, well, we're in powerful positions. So it really doesn't even matter what excuse we'll come up with. We're going to get away with it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because that's exactly what Sanchez said. He said, you didn't deal with it properly, but it's fine. I guess I'll just use my money. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of corruption in Philippine politics. Like, I'm not going to go mm-hmm. into all of their politics because that's not my place. I'm not Filipino. But there is a lot of corruption. And this cl- this case is a clear example of it. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Sanchez just kept trying to pay people off, like, including media, people in power, etc., to get suspicions away from him. But he was arrested on August 13th, 1993. Now Riley's going to take us through the trial. So the trial began on September 12th, 1993, when the court formally read the case against these men, all seven of which had different alibis for the night. (laughs) And then four months later, Sanchez denied all allegations against himself after trying to pay all these people off, saying that neither he nor his men raped or killed anyone. And then on the same day, three of Sanchez's lawyers quit following a quote-unquote serious professional disagreement. That, I don't know why, is (laughs) extremely funny to me. I agree. Also, what could be... What could be more incriminating than your lawyers quitting three of them three of your lawyers quitting over a serious professional disagreement and i feel like sanchez he has plenty of money so he would have been able to get really good lawyers and the fact that he probably had really excellent lawyers who maybe were also kind of scummy if they're defending sanchez if they had professional disagreements and (laughs) There's obviously something a little bit wrong. Yeah. But also, I think think Sanchez was also very arrogant, and Mm. it probably could have come down to something of that sort. But either way, the trial ended up lasting 16 months, which is crazy to think about. But that is still seven years shorter than the trial of the two other men that Sanchez had killed. Nelson and Rickson Penulosa, two years prior to this case in 1991. And that trial didn't even end until a year after Sanchez was convicted for Eileen and Allen. So it took like eight years from 1991 to 1999 for these men to be convicted of the murder of Nelson and Rickson. And in that time, they were also convicted for Two other murders. Um, wow. Yeah. Same. Mm-hmm. But Sanchez and his men were convicted and sentenced for the murder of Eileen Sarmenta and Alan Gomez in March of 1995. For the murder of Eileen and Alan, Sanchez and his men were sentenced to seven life terms at 40 years per life term, which... He 100% deserves. Dude should rot in prison because 
He's a toilet bowl of a human being. And when the judge read the sentencing for this case, she described the plan for this attack against Eileen and Alan as being hatched in hell. That that's like, you know, in the um in the Ted Bundy case, how the judge was like extremely vile, incredibly something. Yes. It's always the judge that has that line, you know? Yeah. And that line hatched in hell, like it's everywhere when you look at this case. Oh yeah, yeah. And in addition to the prison time, they were also ordered to pay millions in pesos to the families of the victims. But I couldn't find if they actually ever did pay the families. And I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they didn't because of the kind of people that they are. But that's just kind of unknown for right now. Now, this case was highly televised and there were cameras in the courthouse on the day of his sentencing. And when his verdict was read, Sanchez's, like, entire demeanor changed, and he was enraged, like, shouting, swearing. And there's actually footage of him leaving the courthouse that day, and he was, like, handcuffed in front of his, handcuffed in front of his body, but his hands were, like, up kind of by his chest, and the guards were trying to escort him out, but he was, like fighting it and squirming and twisting and wiggling and like shouting at people and like trying to get away and he was doing this so much that he actually fell down the stairs on the way out of the courthouse (laughs) good like there's like five men around him and he like slips down (laughs) in front of them and falls down the stairs but honestly like watching that video was like comical like i did not feel bad it was a joke it was a joke to me when you said that he was enraged the biggest smile came on my face because fucking right he thought he was going to get away with it i'm too rich i'm too powerful i can do whatever i want and here he was giving he was being given seven life sentences and he was so upset about it and i really like that you could like you could see the moment where he realized that his status doesn't mean a a a damn thing before he was sentenced like he like there's pictures of him smiling during the trial like he was so confident yeah and this was because this was a side of him that the the public had never seen and that the media had never seen because he always portrayed himself as like you know being pretty cocky and arrogant and so all of a sudden he's throwing this tantrum and then it's like well obviously he's guilty he's throwing a tantrum right now Guys, I really wish that this is where the case ended, but it's not. In July of 2019, Sanchez, along with 11,000 other inmates, were given the possibility of reevaluation because of good behavior. This is because of the Good Conduct Time Allowance Bill, which was passed in 2013. So in Sanchez's case, though he'd only spent 25 years in prison, it was seen to have been over 40 which is over the maximum sentence for one of his life terms, technically. But he had, like, after his... Because for the the Nelson and Rickson case, he was given two life sentences. So technically, he has nine life sentences. Who would let out a criminal with nine life sentences? Good question. Because, like, while he acted like... I guess he acted really good and religious in prison. Um, But he was also the guy that in 2015 
he was busted for hiding meth around his cell, including in a Virgin Mary statue. So I'm really not sure why this was an option. Yeah, that sounds it about right. Been- that sounds like some narcos shit. Yeah. The meth the meth itself should have added at least a couple years. Yeah, I don't get it. Certainly not good behavior. But even the Senator Ronald Bato Del Rosa thought that Sanchez deserved a second chance and that he was a changed man. Okay, it so sounds like white men in America. <laughs> right. And literally on Sanchez's Wikipedia page, his occupation states politician slash rapist slash murderer. So we can Good. safely assume this is bullshit. Also, I'm not sure why that's all listed under occupations because those aren't occupations. A petition was started to stop his release. Alan's schoolmates held a rally, which his mother Lumen attended. And I've read that she, like during the rally, she talked about how Alan knew karate and this brings up the ambulance incident again. Oh, and yeah. he would have fought if he hadn't been bound. And so maybe he did fight. And maybe he definitely he definitely commotion. could have done something. Yeah, in the van. Yes. And that's probably why they felt so threatened and just threw him out right away because they realized that he probably could fight. Yes. Eileen's mother was also interviewed at the time as well, and she said that the pain came back at the possibility of his release. They were That's being so put through this again and had to deal with the possibility of a rapist and murderer being set free despite the fact that he showed absolutely no remorse. No remorse. He was just he was just pissed in the courtroom. Yeah. Pissed that he got caught. Ultimately, he's still in jail based on President Rodrigo Duterte's decision, who also fired Bureau of Correction Chief Nicanor Fielden who had approved of Sanchez's release. But the fact that these two families had to deal with this all again is something that they just shouldn't have had to deal with. Ever in the first place. No. No man deserves a gift that he is entitled to. No. No, he needs to stay there forever, and he needs to die there. Yes. Yeah. This is why... This is why... I don't support the death penalty i mean obviously like i'm not like against the death penalty because i don't think people should die i i'm more against the death penalty because i would rather the person rot in prison i would rather them wither away yeah i agree oh yeah that is our case today it was very very heavy yeah that was definitely heavy also, just a reminder, you can find us at True Crime INTL on both Instagram and Twitter. And you can find us at True Crime International on Facebook, where you can join our group and chat with us. Give us a follow and you'll be privy to some extra content like photos and more information. And we just want to chat. Yeah. We just want to have a little chat. If you're Filipino, come on the Facebook group and tell us more about your culture and your country. We love to learn about this stuff. And if you know about the case from your perspective in the Philippines, that would be really, really cool to hear as well. Yes, we also want to, he- we always want to hear about cases from other people's perspectives because some people live through them and some people have no idea they existed until now. That's all for us today here at True Crime International. We hope you enjoyed your stay. Bye.